This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mine, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, and welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In this episode, we'll be talking with Bethany Warren, and she'll be helping us understand postpartum OCD, what it looks like, how you might notice it, and some things to consider in your own path to healing. Bethany has a passion for women's reproductive health issues and has worked in this field for over 18 years. She specializes in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, working with individuals and couples struggling with pregnancy loss, infertility, or facing adoption or surrogacy. She is passionate about coaching and guiding parents through their adjustment to their new roles and helping couples develop solid identities as parents. She assists women recovering from birth trauma and families who have children with medical and or other health-related issues. Bethany is also active in her community, serving on the Postpartum Health Alliance Board and volunteers for other community organizations promoting and supporting women's health and mental illness. Thank you so much for being with us, Bethany. I'm excited to hear more about the work that you do. Thanks, Kat. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm so glad to be talking about this important topic. Yeah, and I'd love to get more understanding of postpartum OCD and hopefully help the moms who are listening to see if they're going to help them understand what it is and how they can get help. But I would also first like to find out a little bit more about what you do in your work and also your work with Postpartum Health Alliance. Yeah, I'm happy to. So I'm in private practice. I'm in a group practice with other therapists and psychiatrists. And as you mentioned, I specialize in maternal mental health. So I see women who have perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, what we call PMADs, women who are struggling with infertility, pregnancy loss, all sorts of issues related to conception and pregnancy. And then I serve on the board of the Postpartum Health Alliance, which is here in San Diego. And it's a nonprofit organization dedicated to raising awareness about PMADs and as well as providing support and treatment referrals for the women and families who are affected. So for example, our website has a 
list of providers such as myself who specialize in this area because it's so important that if a woman or man is going through perinatal mood and anxiety disorder that they see someone who knows how to treat it. It really is a specialty. Absolutely, it is. And I'm coming to find out that, you know, outside of our world of specialists, that a lot of people don't really know that it is a specialty or that it requires or is best served under a specialty type of therapy. Absolutely. You know, I'm sure you have the same thing, but I have so many clients who finally make it to me and have expressed, you know, the frustration about their journey. Maybe they've gone to their obstetrician and tried expressing how they're feeling and weren't either validated for what they're experiencing or even given a name for it. And the most concerning is that they weren't then referred to someone for treatment. Or I've even had women who've gone to psychotherapists themselves who haven't had the training or weren't able to recognize that it was a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. And again, the woman, you know, felt marginalized and that she wasn't validated. Maybe she felt crazy or like she was a bad mom. So Mm -hmm. I just have seen so many times this experience. It's just really helpful to remind women that there are people who specialize and you're going to be in good hands, people who understand what you're going through. Absolutely. Yeah. So the work that Postpartum Health Alliance does is to, it sounds like to get some, the word out, make sure there's a place for people to find these specialists and be advocating for women in the community. Yeah, absolutely. And helping to educate those providers too, who maybe Mm -hmm. don't have that specialty or maybe like, for example, obstetricians who weren't routinely screening women for perinatal anxiety disorders. There are some OBs that are so wonderful by doing that routinely and others that just weren't. So that's part of our mission too, is just really getting that education out there. That's great. That is fantastic work. So because there are so many topics to cover underneath the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders umbrella and so many things for moms to trying to be filtering through, I'm really excited to have you here talking specifically about postpartum OCD and what it is, how it affects moms, what they should be looking for. So maybe if you can kind of start off with some of the basics and tell us more about the OCD in the postpartum period. Yeah. And again, I'm so glad we're talking about this issue particularly because I think when women think about, quote, postpartum depression, it's really that mm-hmm. misnomer where they think, well, gosh, if I'm not just laying around in bed or crying, or if I'm not, you know, disconnected from my baby, then what is this? Like, this- right. I don't feel like myself, but I don't really have Mm -hmm. a label for this. So what is this? It is so important to get information out there. I'm sure you're the same, but we see perinatal OCD very, very frequently in our practices. We're estimating that about 11% of women who are screened in the postpartum period have postpartum OCD, but it's important to recognize too that it also can start during the pregnancy period. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think it would help to define a bit of what we're talking about, but perinatal OCD typically looks like intrusive and repetitive thoughts, very unwanted in nature, often come with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. The intrusive thoughts can sometimes be contamination in nature, like worrying, for example, that something is contaminated or dirty or that they themselves are contaminated or dirty. Sometimes it can be fears of accidental accidental harm coming to the baby. You know, I just want to normalize 
analyze every single mama as they're walking down the stairs with their baby in their arms has that fear of, oh my God, what if I drop the baby? Or, um, right. you know, you're crossing the street with a stroller and a car's coming fast. Like every mama goes through these worries and these concerns. The difference mm -hmm. with someone who has perinatal OCD is then it often then is stuck on a loop and often yeah. is so frightening for the woman, these intrusive mm -hmm. thoughts. So sometimes there's fear of the accidental harm and sometimes there's fear of deliberate harm. Oh my God, mm -hmm. what if I cut my baby, you know? Yeah. Sometimes the thoughts are religious in nature. We don't see that as often in perinatal OCD, but sometimes there's this like religiosity, like, you know, that maybe there is harm at play, et cetera. Right. But overall, the obsessive thoughts tend to look very similar in that they're very intrusive, meaning that they're coming mm -hmm. from nowhere. I wasn't even thinking right. about that. Now I'm thinking about that and mm -hmm. very repetitive just on this loop. Women who have these thoughts sometimes react behaviorally to them. And then that's where the C of obsessive compulsive disorder comes in, in that they might start doing ritualistic behaviors to try to avoid this distress. So mm -hmm. for example, mama who might be very fearful that she would accidentally harm her child by cutting the kid when she is, you know, chopping up veggies for dinner would then right. uh, feel very scared around any sort of sharp object. So she might develop a compulsive kind of behavior around sharp objects. Maybe she prays every time she's around a knife, or maybe she even locks them up and doesn't trust herself. Mm -hmm. I've seen that numerous times. Yeah. It's kind of that hypervigilance that happens where women mm -hmm. won't trust themselves and feel like they have to very much be on guard against these thoughts. And it's just such a downward spiral. It is awful to experience. It is really, really, yeah. it's tough because again, they're intrusive and they're unwanted. They come from nowhere. These are not desired thoughts. Right. And thank you for emphasizing that. That's so, so important because, you know, so many moms come in and they're, they feel like they're crazy or they often say that I'm having these thoughts that are crazy or they make me feel crazy or I'm worried that I'm going to do it. But to really emphasize that these thoughts are terrifying, they don't want them to be happening, and they're actively trying to do everything in their power to not follow through with those thoughts. Yeah by using those compulsions and trying to get kind of get them to stop or get them to go away. Yes. And that's just it, Kat, is when you, you know, are experiencing these thoughts and you've never had that before, it's really natural to think, oh my gosh, that means I'm capable of this. Mm -hmm. So let's mm -hmm. use the example again of accidentally cutting the baby. Then, you know, one starts believing, oh my God, does that mean I'm capable of doing this and not trusting mm -hmm. oneself? And so you're right. That is the biggest thing that I always, always say to clients and that this message has to be so clear is that the thoughts do not equal action. The intrusive thoughts do not equal intention. In fact, mm -hmm. it's helpful to point out to the woman how distressed she is by the thoughts. It's not like you're yeah. indulging the thoughts. It's not like you're kind of going, oh, well, that could be an option. It's the exact opposite. They bring, bring so much distress. These are not wanted. Right. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. 
I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Yeah. So I think what's hard for a lot of moms who have these thoughts is that they are so scary for them that they don't want to talk about it. So what can you say to that just in terms of, you know, those moms and how is it okay for them to talk about it? Who should they tell them to that kind of stuff? It's a great question because I see that so frequently in my practice that unless I ask if a woman is having scary thoughts, very few times does a woman actually come in revealing that, especially in the first session. So that's something that we have to talk to providers about, whether it be obstetricians, pediatricians, psychotherapists psychiatrists, etc., is that we have to ask that question. And, you know, I typically do it just by normalizing and saying a lot of women with perinatal anxiety or depression often have very intrusive, scary thoughts that come to them. Is that something that's going on for you? You know, I just try to normalize that it's part of the package sometimes and just start having a dialogue about it because women often are very fearful. One of the biggest fears for women who are having these intrusive, obsessive thoughts is that, oh my gosh, someone's going to take my baby away because if I'm Mm -hmm. having this thought, then it must mean I'm a bad mom. It must mean Mm -hmm. I'm capable of doing that. And that's something to just reassure every woman who's listening, who's going through this, or if you know someone who is, absolutely not. We do not call Child Protective Services on women who have perinatal OCD. These are what we call ego dystonic thoughts, which means that they are not wanted. They are incredibly unwanted and women are often very horrified by these thoughts. Right. You know, for people who have been trained, we know the difference. We know that these intrusive thoughts do not equal action and that you can feel better. You can get help. Uh, But there are certainly people in their lives where the, you know, the person's not a trained specialist or it might be a family member or somebody who would be reactive 
having to navigate who can I tell this to, who can I not, that's why it's so important to go to a specialist who knows how to understand this and how to provide. That's exactly it. I love that you're saying that. And for a woman who maybe doesn't know whether their provider specializes or needs to have that dialogue, let's say with an obstetrician, it's okay to ask and to just say, Mm -hmm. have you had experience working with women who are pregnant or postpartum or, you know, to specify even, do you have experience Mm -hmm. working with parenting? mood and anxiety disorders. I understand women may not feel comfortable just out the gate saying, because I've had these horrific thoughts and that's why I'm wondering. And so sometimes I think it's a bit easier to start the conversation by saying, because I've been feeling really anxious, because that's Mm -hmm. what it is. Perinatal OCD is part of the anxiety spectrum. And so sometimes I think that can be a little bit easier to start that dialogue. Mm -hmm. The other thing to notice is a lot of women with perinatal OCD will also have have depression symptoms. It's kind of like thunder and lightning. They tend to go together a lot, anxiety and depression. So that's the other thing is if you feel a bit more comfortable having that conversation about those symptoms first, just to open the gate. Right. So, I mean, we've been kind of talking about how important it is to tell people what's going on. So when somebody does show up for therapy or is able to talk to somebody about it, what are the ways that we can help them to start to feel better, to start to understand and cope and deal with this overwhelm? Great question. The nice thing to know is there is empirically based data that shows research that's highly effective for perinatal OCD. And beyond just the empirically based, I just want to normalize for every woman who's experiencing, whether it be perinatal depression, anxiety, OCD, combo of the all, I just want to reassure all of you, these are the two big T's I'd say to my clients, this is treatable and this is temporary. So Mm -hmm. it's important to know that this will get better. And so you're very brave for even seeking help because that's the first step. I think it's so important that a woman first just gets educated. Again, if you think that you're capable of these thoughts, imagine how much just stress reduction comes from learning, oh, no, these thoughts are actually just part of the anxiety cluster and Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible for them and I'm not capable of these intrusive thoughts that are popping in my head. So that's part of it. Cognitive behavioral therapy is highly effective for perinatal OCD, and as well as just teaching a woman how to do some of the relaxation exercises, breathing exercises to help as an adjunct when that distress is really coming to a peak. Because let's use that example that I brought up earlier of a woman who has this intrusive image of accidentally cutting her baby. And so as Mm -hmm. a result, she hiding the knives and the the scissors and everything in her house. Well, Mm -hmm. she needs to cook dinner. So what does she do without knives, et cetera? So that's Mm -hmm. part of what we're working towards is that distress tolerance of being able to use a knife, doing the breathing, doing the self-talk. Sometimes Mm -hmm. women will even do a mantra, for example, of just Mm -hmm. because I have this thought doesn't mean I'm capable of it just because I have Mm -hmm. this thought, you know, et cetera. So you're not alone. In other words, when you get help, there's Uh, tried and true methods to see improvement. Right. So that's a really good one that you just highlighted is kind of uh, is how to manage those thoughts when they come in by saying things to yourself, essentially that this is just a thought. I'm not going to be acting on this. Right. So for moms who are in disbelief that they will be able to be better, feel better and not be dealing with this anymore. Can you highlight a couple of more of things that they might get from therapy, uh, tools and whatnot that they could be learning? Oh, yeah. Great question. So 
you know, that example I just gave is probably not what we're going to be doing for session. It's not like I'm going to ask the woman to go home and start using a knife right away if that's the thing that has distressed her most. Um, She certainly would be capable of it. I just think the distress that would come from it would be so high that the Mm -hmm. chances she'd even want to return to therapy, it's not a safe place any longer. So we work towards those things. And often by recognizing first, what is the thought? Sometimes even keeping a log of how many times a day those thoughts come into play so that we can notice themes. Also, once we start noticing themes and trends as well as um, you know the intrusive thoughts themselves, sometimes we'll actually start to pick out triggers. Oh, well, I kept having these thoughts when I was in the kitchen or every time the baby cried, I started having these thoughts. You know, we start noticing mm-hmm. trends, in other words. And then, you know, the other thing that is so useful is that we start giving the woman tools to how to talk back to the thought. So, for example, if the thought is, I keep using the same example, but if the thought is of, um, you know, oh my gosh, what if I'm capable of cutting my baby because this image keeps coming in, really challenging that. Where's the evidence of that? Am I mm-hmm. a good mother Otherwise, what are some pieces of evidence that point to that I love my baby, that I would never want to harm my baby, you know, et cetera, to kind of try to deflate the power of that intrusive thought? Yeah. One of the things that's so difficult about it is because the thoughts come in so fast and so strong and so loud that it often feels real and like dangerous. And it's very hard in that moment to separate out that this is a thought coming through, not necessarily something that you're definitely going to do. Right. So the things that you're talking about helping moms to learn to help them cope and manage the thoughts that are coming through so that over time, the thoughts have less power, Yes, have uh, less pull on them emotionally. Yes, that's exactly uh, it. And that's where women will get to is they'll be able to come, you know, at session and talk about how many times an intrusive thought has popped into their head. But it's so cool to see that with treatment over time, women are able to say not only are they less frequent, the intrusive thoughts or extinguish mm-hmm. completely and or being able to say, and I talked back to it and it wasn't that big of a deal. It was almost like mm-hmm. acknowledging it like hello there's that thought and <laughs> right. I'm still gonna do what I needed to do um, the other thing I want to throw out there is medication has been proven to be highly effective with perinatal mm-hmm. OCD as well and so mm-hmm. I just want to reassure women who feel helpless like there isn't any hope not only is psychotherapy extremely effective but so is medication does not mean you have to take medication it's just important to bring up that you can have that dialogue with your doctor about, you know, some treatment options for you. And they're wide, they're wide and varied. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not 
my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Right. In terms of treatment options, but also medication options. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really good point because so many moms feel like, oh gosh, well, for one, if they're nursing, there's that complication in terms of taking a medication. Can I, should I, am I going to harm my baby? Is that another way I'm harming my baby with all these other intrusive, scary thoughts I'm having for that kind of concern and worry? It's possible to get healing from both medication and therapy. And like you said, there are other options. But medication is a part of the treatment that doesn't necessarily last forever. Right. It's not a forever thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you pointed that out. Well, yeah, I think there's so many things to worry about already. Yeah. <laughs> that let alone what it seems like if there's already a concern or they're already dealing with anxiety, the worry tends to extend way into the future anyways. Yeah. So if I start this now, am I going to have to be on this forever? That's where therapy is so helpful is that we're often trying to uncover whatever narrative is causing such distress. And so mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, with medication as an example, like, oh my gosh, I'd be weak if I had to take medication or it would be shameful. Sometimes these really strong beliefs come to the surface that we can help uncover. But same kind of themes with a lot of stuff with uh, perinatal anxiety as well as OCD. Oftentimes there's this narrative at play like I'm a bad mom. I'm a monster. I'm weak. I'm incapable. You know, these really strong themes often come to light. And once we identify them, then we can attack them. It's like name your dragon so you can slay your dragon. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and you bring up another really good point is that, like you mentioned before, a lot of moms deal with these intrusive thoughts, yeah. but we don't talk about them enough as a, as a culture, as a society, as women that we're experiencing this. And then when the intrusive thoughts come, I think a lot of moms worry that they're going to be like the moms that you see on the news. The way that postpartum issues are portrayed in the news is that somehow you are a danger to yourself or your children. And while that is true for a very, very tiny, tiny population of women who have a postpartum psychosis, that moms are worried that their intrusive thoughts mean that they're crazy. I don't like the word crazy. (laughs) Usually they're, you know, that's kind of like a judgmental label. The moms who are dealing with a psychotic episode are going through something very severe. And 
are having thoughts that they're not distressed by. And so if you can speak just briefly to the difference between the intrusive thoughts with OCD versus the thoughts with a postpartum psychosis, we'll have psychosis covered on a different episode. Uh, But just for moms to know that uh, the difference between the two. And you're right, it would be hard for a woman who's going through this to know the difference. Because on the news, we see stories like Andrea Yates, who had postpartum psychosis and actually killed her children. And so a woman who's having an intrusive image of either accidentally or on purpose harming her child, it would make sense then the next leap of her thought process would be to say, oh my God, that's going to be me. I'm going to do it. So it is so important to differentiate. Postpartum psychosis does exist. It's extremely rare. It affects about 1% of the population and it is a true medical emergency and also Mm -hmm. treatable. But what's different about psychosis than any sort of intrusive imagery that comes with perinatal OCD is exactly what you just talked about. A woman who has has perinatal OCD and has these intrusive thoughts, these intrusive images that pop into her head, she doesn't want to do them. They cause her extreme anxiety, extreme distress. Oftentimes women will be having a panic attack, a literal panic mm-hmm. attack as they're having these thoughts because it's so distressing to them. There's yeah. such amount of shame that is uh, mm-hmm. tied into this. Again, this shame of, oh my God, I must be a horrible mom if that's what I just mm-hmm. pictured. The avoidance aspect of of trying to avoid any sort of potential trigger that would make these thoughts worse. All of those things we do not see with postpartum psychosis. Someone who has psychosis actually believes their thoughts to be true, actually believes their delusions, actually believes their hallucinations. Very, very different than perinatal OCD. What feels similar for women is, oh my God, this thought is horrifying. It does that mean I'm capable? And I know I sound like a broken record, but I just really want to women to come away today with that um, knowledge that that Mm -hmm. the image does not cause action. Image does not equal intention. Right. That's so, so important. And I think because it's so scary to have the thought and because we're not sure if that means we're losing it or we're having this very, very rare illness, uh, it makes it even harder to talk about. But this differentiation that you're identifying and emphasizing is so, so, so important. And I'm glad you're emphasizing it and repeating it that the thought doesn't equal action, that you're not going to do these things that pop into your mind. Right. If you're already doing everything in your power to not do it, yep. you know, That's- hiding knives and checking stoves and, right. you know, walking, you know, setting your baby down if you feel like you're going to hurt them. Yes. Uh, all of those things mean that you're coping. It might not, it, it, and that you're trying to, to get through it. Your coping strategies may be also adding stress. Uh, so that's why going to see a therapist and getting new coping strategies to, to deal with the thoughts is so important. That's exactly it. And we often see women who are experiencing perinatal OCD are handing their babies off to others quite frequently or mm-hmm. are so anxious to be by themselves that they're asking mm-hmm. for loved ones to just come be with them at all times. Because again, this yeah. belief of if I'm having this thought must mean I'm capable if 
before you have the knowledge to know that isn't accurate, then of course you would want people around. Of course you would want, you know, someone else to be taking care of your baby. So again, it's important not only to get help if you're experiencing this, because this is temporary, it is treatable, but also for loved ones to be educated about it as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, once it can be brought to the light, how much more refreshing it will be. Now we're all on the same page. Now we know that this is a diagnosis. This is a mental health issue and it's going to be treated. This isn't the woman's fault. This is not mom's fault. Right. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That's so important because like you mentioned before, you know, the guilt and the shame of all the thoughts. No one chooses this. No. Oh my. It's not her fault. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. It's too painful to want to, you know, choose this. And I've actually heard moms say, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy because it's not something they're choosing either. But that also speaks to how devastating it can be if it's not dealt with and and not caught in time. So for the moms who are listening, what can they do? Where can they go to get the help? Uh, You know, Postpartum Health Alliance is one place to find resources. Do you have any other suggestions or options for them to seek out specific support? Yes. And I'm so glad you're asking because, you know, at the beginning when we talked about how important it is to go see someone who has knowledge and training in this area, I would imagine that might have brought up seeming an additional anxiety for women like, oh gosh, okay, now not only do I have to get treatment, but I have to like quiz my provider and find out if they've (laughs) had experience in this. You know, this shouldn't be an additional hurdle. Let's give you credit that even just going for treatment is very, very important and also takes courage. So mm-hmm. let's try to make it as easy as possible on you. So if you're in the San Diego area, you can go to the Postpartum Health Alliance's website for a list of providers and you can look by area. No punctuation, postpartumhealthalliance.org. If you're not in San Diego, the Postpartum Support International website has the exact same function and is really beneficial. You can find a provider in your area, and that's postpartum.net. And same thing, that they're able to link you with providers in your area that have that training and that expertise. So whether you're seeking therapy, medication, both, these are some good resources for you to get started. Fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much, Bethany, for coming on with us today and sharing all of this important information. I'm really hopeful that the moms who are listening and the providers who are listening can understand and how important it is to address this and ask questions and get support and get help and to know, like you said, that this is treatable and it's temporary and they can feel better. The sooner they can get help, the sooner they can feel better. So the information you're providing today is invaluable. We thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I think the more we talk about this, the more information we get out there, the more that women can see they are not to feel ashamed for having this. This is something that happened to them. It's the number one pregnancy complication. It's interesting how one out of seven women will get a perinatal mood and anxiety um, disorder. And yet one out of 20 women will get pregnancy-induced hypertension and or gestational diabetes. And yet we screen for those all the time. So it's just important to validate this is a pregnancy complication. You didn't ask for this. And Mm -hmm. just like the other things I just mentioned are treatable. So let's get you some help. There's no shame. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bethany. Yeah, thanks for having me. By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. 
please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom and Mind can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.